Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shapworst. With me is Vinny Tadaro, and uh, this is uh, first episode of the uh, 2022 off season. As the uh, season ends with the Rams beating the Bengals in the Super Bowl, 23 to 20. We'll talk a little bit about that, uh, the game, some of the elements. <laughs> regarding the game, uh, refing specifically. And then uh, we'll get into the Cowboys. Uh, want to do, talk a little bit about Cowboy, recent Cowboys draft history. We are getting into that a little last week, um, but kind of breaking down a few of the recent draft classes um, in depth. But as always, we'll start off with a trivia question. And this week it is Vinny asking me the question. So... Uh, Go, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, this player was brought to the Cowboys by Jimmy Johnson and played defensive line. Outside of the draft. <laughs> That's what? Outside of the draft, he was brought in. He was Okay. Brought out of the draft, outside of the draft. Brought in by Jimmy Johnson. So that eliminates uh, Charles Haley? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, he was brought in, too, outside of the draft, but that's not right. who I'm thinking about. Right. So that, was, yeah. that wasn't the most fair yeah. <laughs> first a couple first that would have counted. But it's, gonna, it's about to get fair. Okay. Okay. He was traded for, and he was a former number one pick. Charles Haley was not a first-round pick. Uh, was he a first-round pick by the Cowboys or a different team? No, no. We had to trade for him to get him. Russell Maryland? No, they drafted Russell Maryland. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. Um, huh. First overall pick. And he's a defensive lineman. Yeah. He's a former first-round pick, and we traded Wait, for him. First round? Charles Haley. First round or first overall? No, no, no. First, first, first Okay, okay. That that makes more sense. Um, hmm. Then I got one more hint. Or two. I'm going to say Tony Tolbert. Zach, 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 Zach. No, 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 no. Tony Tolbert? Yeah. No. That's a guess, yeah. No. Came from Atlanta Falcons. Oh, Tony Casillas? Tony Casillas, yeah. Casillas, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, people um, sometimes overlook him, but he was a very good defensive tackle. He was a starter for us ahead of Leon Lett. Yeah. You know, it was him and Russell Maryland yes. backed by Leon Lett and Jimmy Jones until, um, you know, guys started taking off for free agency. Uh, both Maryland and Casillas took off in free agency. Yeah. yeah. Casillas yeah, first, I think. One. Who did he... he? He was a first rounder. Um, I don't know what the problem yes. was with Atlanta. I don't know if they really didn't like him or if he was underperforming or if they just wanted to, felt they needed to, to, to trade. Um, but yeah, that's right. He was sort of an under underrated um, 
anchor for the Cowboys' run defense. He was... didn't do a lot in pass defense, but he's strong yeah. in run defense. We could use him now. He's probably better than what we got now still. Yeah, even at age 50. Yeah. He, uh, I, I kind of remember he, he had a ton of tackles for a defensive tackle. Yeah, um, he made, like, can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, 100-plus. I feel like in the – Reggie White, I want to say, had, like, 100 tackle seasons. I feel like that's just unheard of in today's NFL, the defensive linemen having that many tackles. Um, yeah. Yeah, Reggie White had 133 combined tackles one year. That's ridiculous. It went down as his career went on, but I don't know if that's something with how the... Yeah, I don't have a good explanation for that, but that's interesting. Well, teams used to run the ball more, for one thing. That's... Yeah, that might be part... That's definitely part of it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Probably ran, ran it up right up the middle more often. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was a good one. Tony Casillas... So um, yeah, the Saint or formerly St. Louis Rams, now Los Angeles Rams, won their first their first Super Bowl in Los Angeles, uh, their second Super Bowl as the Rams, um, and you know not too much of a surprise at, at the result. Um, I was kind of thinking they might win by more, and and honestly, I think if Odell Beckham hadn't gotten hurt. I think they were on pace to win by more, but the I will say this about the Bengals: the you know Sean McVay is kind of known as the the genius, great play caller, play great play designer, which is all accurate. But I I do think the Bengals, similar to how I felt with the Cardinals when they played us, they have a really they do a really good job of like uh, kind of masking their weaknesses like they were they were in this game where they were just totally mismatched on the defensive or their offensive line versus the Rams defensive line Um, and they were also for most of the time able to once Odell Beckham got injured they were able to take away Cooper Cup and make the Rams beat him with everyone else which was basically a bunch of scrubs that weren't able to cut it and then eventually they're just like we don't care we're gonna throw it to cooper cup and that's when they you know that's basically how they scored that last touch cooper cup stepped up when he was really needed you know and so did matthew stafford that's what i was gonna say i think stafford just having the balls to throw it into pretty tight coverage and like double coverage right that that's yeah, that's what it was. But again, I, I think if if Odell hadn't gotten injured, it would have been... I think they would have just continued throwing it to him. The Bengals clearly were taking away or doing everything possible, I should say, to take away Cooper Cup. But Odell was going to beat him one-on-one. Um, but yeah, that that really swung the... the uh, you know the competitiveness a lot, but um, but yeah, the Rams were were clearly the better team I thought, and and I think the Rams were the most overall. I think they were the best team in the NFL this year. Um, I don't think 
you know, Stafford's going to get way more credit than he deserves. He certainly deserves some. I think he proved he was an upgrade over Jared Goff, obviously, because that, you know, people forget that 2018 team was all, it, maybe it wasn't quite as star-studded, uh, but it was still probably the best pound-for-pound team in the NFL that year, and they couldn't get it done. They And in that game, they clearly got outcoached by Belichick. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Stafford, to his credit, made plays when it counted, and I think he played well throughout the playoffs this year. Um, he's kind of, I don't want to, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out to compare it to Eli Manning, but it's, I would say probably closer to that threshold. He, he's he's, you know, he's a guy that throws. He's got all the talent in the world, but he has a tendency to make some dumb plays. And yeah. he did have you know two interceptions in this one game. One by but Awuzie. One by Awuzie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was kind of rooting for for him to get one. Um, and he, in general, he had a great great year this year, but. Um, but no, he, I want to thank him for finally bailing me out. Right, I always drafted him. I thought very highly of him. So and did he, I. You know, he didn't pan out in Dallas, but you know, they didn't know how to use him. I mean, yeah. those are the Jason Garrett years when we had Dumbo as our uh, head coach. Yeah. He had a great career, by the way, as the offensive coordinator in the, with the Giants. What did he last? Uh, not even two years. <laughs> not even. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, less than two years. He's um, such an idiot. Yeah, but yeah, no, Awuzie, that they're really their weakness was was Eli Apple. He was getting torched, but um, oh, well, he was a Giants but, draft pick. Yeah, I remember when the Giants drafted him, and yeah, yeah. They hated him around here. He's been he's been bad everywhere, but no, I think um, I know you have opinions of the uh, the refs in this game, and and the obvious one, which I kind of. <laughs> I like to think this was maybe overcorrecting for the call beginning of last year where they flagged Michael Gallup for a push-off that shouldn't have happened. This was like the, the redo of this where T. Higgins clearly shoved, you know, Michael Gallup, that was just, a you know, two guys bumping hands and Ramsey flopped. This time, T. Higgins grabs his face back and yanks him, doesn't get called. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seemed to me like this was, in general, in the postseason, it seemed like they were overcorrecting for criticism in the regular season that they were calling too many flags, and in the playoffs, it was just like, there are no rules, do whatever you want. And then, but then the problem with that is then occasionally when you do call penalties, it's got to be absolutely egregious. And if it's not, then it's like, what are you doing? There's no consistency here. So uh, I, I still preferred that to the, you know, like the Raiders game for Cowboys Raiders, I think is the prime example of just, we're calling everything. Um <laughs> flags every every play but still not a not a great turnout by the uh by the refs in the biggest game of the season yeah and um i'm not so sure i agree with that that dichotomy there about um 
you know, well, we're going to let things go um, versus we're going to we're going to call it tightly. I think you don't a, think they're a, doing I, that. I, I think, I, you... think I, I think that that that's that's a really bad dichotomy. I think a penal, penalty is a penalty. Sometimes you can argue um, it was a wrong call, but I think usually it's pretty black and white. Um, and uh, I, I think that usually they get it right. But, you know, unfortunately, too often they, they don't get it right and they make some egregiously bad calls. And that's what they did in this game. And it certainly happened in Cowboys games. And, you know, I, I don't believe in the whole, um, you know, let's just let it let them let them play thing, uh, because then what you're saying is the team that cheats the most is going to have the advantage. Right. Um, so. You know, you're de- in fact determining the outcome of the game by being passive, and uh, that's not something that they should ever do. Um, the officiating in this game, just even just based on that one call, had to get an, had to give them an F. Um, and thank God the Bengals didn't win because it would have to forever be marked with an asterisk. Yeah. And, uh, and the NFL has to do something about its officiating. I, I, I really, you know, they're going to have to institute more replays. I think that would be the thing to I, do. Yeah. I, I think uh, the, the the thing I've heard, which I uh, seems to make the most sense, is just having, like, a second officiating crew or at least one official that's just going off of the, you know, the tape or, or the, you know, the live footage because there's so many angles that you know this one in particular was an obvious case like that there's no way something as obvious as that should be should you know be allowed to happen or or in 2018 the uh prime example being when the ram when McVay went to the super bowl the first time he shouldn't have the saints should have won that game be, or well they had a pass inter- a missed pass interference call that basically determined the outcome of the game. Um, and yeah. any fan, you know, without any experience just watching the replay footage would have told you that's pass yeah. interference, not even not even close. And those are the calls that can't, you know, for the if you want to have the sport have any semblance of like legitimacy you can't allow those penalties there's there's always going to be some where you know the team that is getting called against is going to have problems with but you know if, if it's if it's so cut and dry that even the fan base that is getting called in favor of will admit that that was lucky like in this case i'm sure any yeah. Bengals fan is going to say okay yeah that was we got yeah. lucky there yeah that's what you gotta eliminate. And well, I think th- I think they should give one additional uh, one thing. I think they could try because it's it's kind of tough to exactly pinpoint what the, the solution is. But I think one thing that they should definitely try is to give each team an additional um, challenge with no penalty. You know, if they miss it, um, to challenge any kind of call. Yeah. You know, one, once a game, you can challenge any call that you want, whether it be delay of game or non-delay of game, because you see a lot of non-delay of games not get called. Yeah. Um, you know, and they should just say, you know, it should just be okay. You have this is your one freebie. You can use it. You're not going to get punished if you 
if you lose, um, and you can challenge any call that you want. Yeah. And I think that would I think that would go a long way, you know, because they're not blowing that. You know, fortunately, they usually don't blow that many. Right. You know, but they, right. I don't. You know, this whole thing about limiting it to certain penalties is just doesn't make any just doesn't make any sense because any penalty, especially you know, especially if it occurs at a critical juncture, can have a huge influence on the game. Right. We saw that with our Cowboys, but you know, mm-hmm. most of their penalties were legitimate. You know, but they can't. You know, even if it's uh, you know not a a huge deal, you know, uh, you know, a huge or egregious penalty, you know, it can kill your drive. Yep. I mean, how many times did we get flag flagged for for uh, offensive pass interference? Yeah, we definitely had. I I think I saw somewhere we had the most penalties on plays of. I mean, we had the most penalties. Period. So that it makes sense that broken down more situationally. We'd have the most penalties, but I think it was like maybe 13 plays where we gained like 10 plus yards and it got called back due to penalty. And generally, I think those, you know, I think we deserved it. Um, and, And I do think our coaches and just the general discipline is at fault, you know, to a large degree, but, um, yeah, there, there's always I, – I think that's a good I, – I was just thinking, like, if it's something that's – you can do, like, a 15-second review, like, you get one extra 15-second quick booth review, and it's so obvious in those 15 seconds that it's the wrong call that they change it um, – and if it's anything but that, like uh, I could see how they then then it's no no go. You know, know they keep talking about you know not wanting to make the game too long, that, slow things down. You know, I mean they cut down on is. the damn commercials. <laughs> you know, there's so many times yeah, I remember went to the Jets Cowboys game. I'm like, what the hell? Why aren't they playing? Well, it's a commercial break. Yeah, but that it cuts down the bottom line. That's what what it's all about. No, that's that's, yeah, that's what yeah, that that's what they should do. But I, I don't think they have to worry should, about choking this well, game, choking the life out of it. It's got a, it's got so much life to it. Yeah. Um, that uh, you know, watching baseball by contrast is like watching grass grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, give the playoffs credit. Like the last three weeks of football, where every game was very good. Um, from the divisional every round but the wild card basically um and and i think it 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 goes to show the kind of season this was where like there was no dominating team throughout the season it it was really those final eight teams and i think the cowboys probably would have been like ninth or tenth but those eight teams were like clearly the best teams and there was very small margins of difference between all of them. Like I think if if all of those teams had played again in the divisional round, it's going to be like five this way, five this way, maybe six, four. But like all of those were, you know, they turned out to be close games. And, you know, it's not surprising that they were close games based on how the, you know, the teams were going into it. Um, and, and, you know, championship rounds were also close and this was, this was close. Although this, again, I think was kind of the most 
fluky one, partly because of that penalty, partly because of Odell Beckham's injury, but I think still, he tore his ACL. Yeah, did he? I, yeah, I heard it was the right. same knee, but oh, shit, that's that's rough. Um, that's a guy with nine lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what, it, what about what happened to the other two uh, bad boy wide rats? Where they now? It was Josh Gordon? I think he's out of the league. And Antonio Brown? He was saying he wanted to play for somebody, but I don't know if he's going to get another chance now. Wouldn't surprise me if he did. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, he's so Josh Gordon's on the Chiefs. He he oh, really? played. He's just not good anymore. That that's the okay. thing. Like he's okay. he's like the Might as well the receiver version of of Randy Gregory. Like he outside of smoking weed. Like he he. I don't think has done anything that egregious off field. It's just, but now he's not that good. Like he had one really good season and he was okay with the Patriots, but hasn't really done anything since. And Antonio Brown's the opposite. He is very good on the field, but he is such a crackpot off. The, I mean, he's just, He's a, he's a good he's a poster child for CTE is probably what it is. I, I wouldn't you know I would I wouldn't mind him being on the, being on the Cowboys because you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get four good games and then he's gonna blow up. But at least you get four good games, you know. Yeah. yeah. If know. you need a little kick there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's the kick we need, but he's a good player. There's no. Doubt about that. Well, we're, you know, we're lucky. You know, the, look, the Cowboys are very fortunate, and they had four, four good wideouts. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll give them credit for acquiring those guys. I will. Yep. That's you know, CD Lamb was no brainer, but the others were not. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I think they should try to keep that receiving core together. I don't think that they should. I think that they should really. This is a case time where I think it is smart to keep your in-house guys rather than look for to free agency or look to the draft or anything um, because there are too many other holes that need to be filled that you got something good keep it going you know and I think Gallup will be I think Gallup will be back because I don't think he's going to get a big deal considering he tore his ACL and it was so late in the season he's not going to be ready probably for the start of next season and um, I've heard a few I've, I've heard rumblings that he might be. Um, I don't know if that's for sure, but and I ha- also have heard that other teams are pursuing him. Other teams Again, are these desperate. Are, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of still rumors swirling around Amari Cooper, um, but yeah, but uh, Dak needs all the weapons but, he can get, so they better keep those yeah. guys. Yeah, I, and I think if we do, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm opposed to cutting Amari Cooper. That makes no sense to me. But um, if we could trade him for like a first, I, I wouldn't hate that. Um, oh no, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would consider that. Yeah, I would seriously consider that. Um, you know, the only, I mean, I like. Most of the I like most of the players that we have. Yeah. Um, the guys that I don't mind seeing walk are Leighton Van Der Esch, Keanu Neal, yeah. guys like that, Connor Williams. Um, 
those are guys that you definitely got to get rid of. But uh, Demarcus Lawrence is a guy who you know I'm not as I don't like him as much as you do. I do think he's a good player. I don't want to lose him. Right. But if it comes down to us being able to retain two free agents by letting him go, because his salary is like twenty million this year, yeah. Um, then I think that's a cap move that they have to make because we weren't. I don't know if we were a better defense with him in there than we were without. And if it means being able to keep Dorrance Armstrong and Randy Gregory, um, then I would be in favor of getting rid of Demarcus Lawrence because he just didn't come in and make enough of a difference to warrant um, $20 million a year. Uh, to me, $20 million a year has to be like a Miles Garrett type player. Right, or Aaron Donald, I think yeah. is a prime example. But uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I think... Yeah, he definitely, I think he's played very well. Obviously, he was injured, and I definitely think we were better with him. But, but yeah, I mean, he's he's basically, like, last year he was, I thought, by far our best player, but he's also on a team of absolute trash right. players around him. So it's not saying much. This year, he had Mike Parsons, who was clearly better, um, and I'd say he was... Probably, depending on how Randy Gregory is playing, probably second or third best um, on this defense. But, but yeah, we're paying him to be that no-doubt kind of elite, elite guy. And maybe he is in the run game, but, you know, no matter how you slice it, I think sacks are overrated. But it's also, it's not like he's getting pressure at an ungodly rate and he's just like, super unlucky with sacks like he i think he's always been a little better at pressure than sacks but still his overall rate of pressuring is is just good it's not you know it's not up there with watts and bosa's and miles garrett's um it's his run defense that he's really phenomenal at and i don't think that is worth you know the 21 million we're paying him so i'm yeah, I'm I'm kind of come to terms with him potentially as a casual cap casualty. If we could get him to agree to just a lower contract, that would be that would be great too, but don't see that happening realistically. But um yeah, but I wanted to for this episode I wanted to kind of go back in in the drafts and we'll probably get into a lot of these players that that we have uh, you know opinions on some of whom we're we're going to be having to decide whether we keep them or get rid of them this off season. Um, but I think probably twenty. I mean, if you're talking about shaping of this current team, I think 2016, five years ago, five six years ago, is the best place to start. Um, and that was where you had fourth overall pick. I will say. Before I kind of toot my own horn, I I did say, I, I did think Carson Wentz and Paxton Lynch were good quarterbacks that I I wanted. Um, so I was clearly wrong on Paxton Lynch. Carson Wentz, over time, also has not, has not turned out too well. Um, but once it looked like the Eagles were taking Carson Wentz, no chance of us getting him. I was 
you know, Joey Bosa or Jalen Ramsey, it's got to be one of those two guys. And and really, I wanted Ramsey because I thought he was, I, I thought Bosa was, you know, he was this highly productive guy, but he wasn't kind of the freakish athlete, whereas Ramsey literally ticked every box. And I think there's a guy coming in this year's draft who might be the next best cornerback since Ramsey, but Ramsey's really kind of a unicorn in there's really nothing you could you could say about him negatively. He 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 played multiple positions. He has all the athleticism, the on play performance and and it's it was a position of of need and a position of value. Same with Bosa. Um and I was pretty frustrated when we took Ezekiel Elliott, as anyone who was with me. Uh, I remember. Yeah. Um, I was there. And and the guys I did, I a lot of people were, you know, on the Derrick Henry bandwagon. I, I didn't I think, even back then, I didn't think running back warranted that high of a pick. Even the second round, obviously Let's... better than the fourth overall pick, but... The guys oh, that I take them in the second round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guys that I really wanted were Jordan Howard or um, I think something Freeman, who who ended up with the Broncos. Who, who didn't Royce Freeman? I think his name was, and he didn't have much of a career. But Jordan Howard, even in his rookie year, almost yeah. produced as well as Zeke behind a way worse line, um, and they got him in the fifth round. So that's kind of where I wanted to go was, you know, who cares about running back? We've got a great O-line. Let's draft Jalen Ramsey and get a running back in the fourth or fifth round. Um, The other thing I I remember about that draft was we had the opportunity to get Miles Garrett in the second, or not Miles Garrett, Miles Jack in the second round, who was initially projected to be like a top yeah. five or ten pick. I remember you liking him, yeah. Yeah, and and I was upset that we passed on him for Jalen Smith. Well, um, Jalen Smith was a bust. Yeah. Um, and then Dak Prescott, I, I was adamantly against Dak Prescott as like a second round pick, um, which there was... There was definitely rumblings about him. That wasn't completely out of the blue. But I thought in the fourth round, that was a good value of him. Um, I, I did not expect him to well be for a fourth that. Round yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, probably I think you best can pick see, we've had. Yeah, but unfortunately, you can still see why he did drop to the fourth round. He has not erased that memory completely. You know, he has not yeah. erased that status completely. Um, he's still a guy who isn't very smart. He's still a guy who doesn't read defenses or see the whole field as well as he could. And, uh, you know, he was he was definitely part of the offensive problem this year. He doesn't show much leadership. They say he does. I've never seen a hint of it. Never seen a hint of leadership out of him. Yeah. Never heard of a hint of leadership about out of him. I see a guy who's surrounded by a lot of freaking talent and who mm-hmm. doesn't play up to it. Yeah. That's what I see. Yeah. And, he's, very, he's good. He's good. He's very good. Right. And, and that's and the, and the bottom line is like people need and I see people fans online do this where you know they're still treating him like hey, he's a fourth round pick like he's done so and yes, he's done phenomenal for a fourth round pick, 
But now he's a 45. He's, you know, we're paying him like the second or third best quarterback in the league. That's the standard for him now. Um, you got to throw that, all the priors and, and anything else outside, out, you know, out of the equation. We're paying him to be an elite quarterback, and he wasn't this year. He was very good. You could argue this was his best passing season, but still not where we needed him to be. Um, and I think I, I will say, you know, the fact that the Rams won a Super Bowl with Stafford, I, I think you could make an argument that Dak is in that same tier. I don't think Matt Stafford suddenly is is catapulted to elite because of this year. Um, I think he got put in a phenomenal situation, and, and he did play well when it mattered, and I would probably take him over Dak because of that now, but I'd still put them in that same next tier below the Rodgers and Mahomes and um, the guys like that. But um, uh, Allen. Yeah, I would say Josh Allen, and, and because of their ascent, how they went from rookie to second, I would throw Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert in that elite tier. Um, may Russell Wilson is he kind of has regressed a little bit, but I would still consider him. But yeah, really, it's it the next tier below those guys are Dak Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. Um, Kyler Murray, um, yeah, th- those those are the guys that I think can win a Super Bowl, but they need kind of an optimal supporting cast, sort of like the Rams had this year, the Niners have had a few years ago, the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl, that was ideal supporting cast for a you know non elite quarterback. Um, that's the only reason they they were able to win. Um, even though Foles did play very well for these two two games of his career, um, but but yeah, so that was that was 2016 overall. Even with Zeke being not as good as Jalen Ramsey, just the no. fact that we got Dak in the fourth, no. I think that makes that draft class a, a successful one. Look, you've, you've got and you've got you know adding adding insult to injury with Zeke Elliott is that you've got Tony Pollard. Right. I was just reading an article about Pollard about how his stats were eye-catching and he, how he ranked so high in so many categories. Yeah. And they were saying not only don't the Cowboys use him enough, they don't use him in pivotal situations. He's almost always right. on the bench in right. pivotal situations. And they're saying, look at what how this guy grades out. Mm-hmm. You know, He grades out near the top of the league. And that makes the Ezekiel Elliott pick even more worthless, you know, because yes. you've got Ezekiel Elliott who is slightly above average. That's it. That's all he is. Yep. He's slightly above average, you know. He's a better blocker than Pollard, but yep. that's it. He's not better in any other way. Yeah, and, and the I think I brought this up before, but I, I did a you know little data study on Zeke versus Pollard in the games where he blocked phenomenally and the games where we were our worst blocking games. And basically we just don't give Pollard the ball when we're blocking shittily. 
when we're blocking well, then everyone's eating. Zeke and Pollard do well. There's not a huge gap. Pollard is still more productive, but there's not a huge gap when we're blocking well. When we're not blocking well, Pollard is far better, like almost double yards per carry, but we a lot of the games we just don't give him the ball, uh, which is, yeah, basically goes to what you're, you're saying. Um, As that- as you know, when scouts evaluate a back, one of the things they say about him is he gets what's blocked, right? Which is kind of a put, which is pretty much a put down. They're saying yeah. if you block real well for him, he'll get you yards, but he's not going to make anything on his own. Well, that's not much of a running back, right? I mean, you could put almost anybody back there, and they'll get what's blocked. You could put a defensive tackle back there, and if you block for him, he'll pick some yards. Yeah, and there's you know vision. There, there's, but. But no, and I, and I think the difference, there is a stylistic difference in that Zeke, his thing has always been like, he'll get hit and then he'll fall forward for like two or three yards. But I think since his rookie year, it, it just doesn't seem like he's he's able to like get, you know, big chunks after first contact, or it's just less likely. Pollard... He'll do that also, the, you know, getting hit and then gain. But, but it seems like he's, he's better at that at, at this point. Um, and he will have those breakaway plays where you hit him and then he runs 30 yards after that. Um, that is, he, and maybe that's him having less carries. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him have, uh, you know, a bell cow amount of carries besides one game last year where Zeke was out. Um, and that was one game, by the way, where he had one of those runs where he got hit pretty pretty good and he bounced off and ran for 40-yard touchdown. So, yeah, and, and that's, you know, we'll, we'll get to that draft, but he's honestly one of the kind of saving graces of the draft class he was, he was in, which is probably our has been our worst draft class of this time period we're talking about. But uh, let's – then one other guy I'll throw out from the 2016 draft, which, you know, you can debate how good he is, but he's a six-round pick, and he's still with the team and still a starter, and that's Anthony Brown. That that was still a, a very good pick for, for yeah. a sixth-round guy. Um, so then you move to 2017 – which was the obvious big swing and a miss at uh, number 28 where we picked Taco Charlton with oh. TJ Watt on the board. Um, and, and I will say this, I was not, I, I would have preferred TJ Watt, but I was not like a, a huge uh, Taco Charlton hater. I, I think you were much more adamantly against that pick than I was at the time. I watched I went on YouTube and watched his highlights. Yeah. They are the most <laughs> underwhelming highlights you could ever see in your life. Okay. Yeah. It was, oh, he made a tackle, you know, or, you know, it was, it, there were plays that he made mostly by way of being in the right place at the right time or using his length. I didn't yeah. see any athlete. He looked stiff as a brick to me. Yeah. And I had no idea why they drive. No, I still to this day have no idea what anybody ever saw on Taco Charlton. That was just a real classic case of the scouts just dropping the ball right there. That well, was really bad. I, and I wasn't, you know, at the time, yeah. I wasn't 
it wasn't like I, I want I would prefer TJ Watt, but I wasn't jumping and screaming for him. I would have yeah. preferred him. Um, but I just, you know, I, I didn't understand the Taco Charlton pick. And then, you know, you and I were both appalled by Tristan Hill. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably after the Zeke pick. And, and you know, we've talked about organizational incompetence. I, I think some of the, th- and who knows whether this is true or not, but some of the things that have come out after these drafts, like they make the picks worse when you hear the reasoning, which for Taco, it was just, oh, well, Taco's a defensive end. TJ Watt is a, you know, is a, is outside linebacker. Like that's, that's not a reason if, if he's better than the other guy, like if it's one thing, if you say Taco Charlton is a better defensive end than TJ Watt, if you moved him to defensive end because of his size or whatever, but if you're just saying, you know, because he has only played this position, we're not even considering this guy. Like that's that that's asinine to me. And then with with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, that pick that that rationale was even worse. That was supposedly the 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 rationale was that if if we drafted a cornerback. Uh, well, you know, they could just not throw to that guy. And if you draft a running back, then you can affect every play. Like, that... Your running back is so affected. Right. (laughs) And and is that the worst thing? If if Jalen Ramsey eliminates the number one receiver and they just don't throw to him, is that really... A bad thing like that sounds like the optimal situation yeah um so yeah but besides honestly besides taco charlton i mean that's a big miss but besides that the 2017 draft was pretty solid actually chidobia woozier um second round jordan lewis third round both solid um i i think Jadobi Awuze, his performance in Cincinnati, and the fact that I remember talking about this a lot going into 2020 season about how both Jadobi Awuze and Jordan Lewis played their best football their rookie years, and just trying to kind of predict how they were going to do that year. Um, and both of them had poor years that year. Jordan Lewis played a little better this year. Awuzie played a lot better in Cincinnati. Um, I think both of them are are ultimately at least decent cornerbacks, but I think they've been in, put in bad situations at times, and they haven't performed well. But I'd say for a second and third round pick, that they were at least solid picks. Um, and then the big hit in that round, or in that year's draft, was Xavier Woods in the sixth round, um, who's had wow. a solid career. Um, and then Noah Brown, who for some reason is still on the team. Um, I guess you could call that a good pick for the seventh, seventh He's round. He's a special teamer. He'll, yeah. catch, he'll make the occasional play. Yeah. yeah. Good block. I don't think he'll be around next year. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't be upset by that. 
Um, but the next year, 2018, that that was the the fun one, um, and and that's oh, the one where a lot of we got a lot of free agents in this class. So I, I remember vividly uh, detail a lot of details about this class because I, I put together a pretty extensive board. So first round pick, we we draft Leighton Vander Esch, which I I didn't dislike. I had on my board Harold Landry was the huh. only player ahead of him. Um, and Harold Landry's had a, had a solid career in Tennessee, but he hasn't been phenomenal. Um, I would probably still take him over Leighton Vander Esch. He plays a more valuable take position. Take, I take a tissue. I take a used tissue over Leighton <laughs> Vander Esch. Yeah, yeah. Vander, he, he made it look like a good prediction that, that it was a good pick uh, his rookie year and then just absolutely... It's basically the Rams. It seems like the Rams broke him in the playoffs. Like he went from, I think, didn't Troy Aikman at one point in that year say that he was going to be a Hall of Famer or something like that? Um, I could be wrong, That's but some some stupid Aikman would say. Yeah, uh, not his best prediction in in retrospect, but but no, I mean he did look phenomenally good that year, and he was a big part of why our defense was so good that season. And then he sucked in the playoffs, uh, or at least in the Rams game, where we got thrashed by their running game. And then basically he's been garbage ever since then. Um, so overall, that's that's a miss for a first-round pick, a, a mid-first-round pick. Uh, that's been a disappointment. Then I was I was yeah you were with Leighton Vanderush that year was that. I, 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 embarrassingly, I liked him, but I did not like him as a first round pick. I liked him as a second or third round pick, and I thought it was a no brainer that you know when Calvin Ridley dropped that far, I thought we should have taken Calvin Ridley, and I was furious that we we uh, we took uh, Van Der Esch over uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, but you know that's Will McClay, yeah, and Jerry Jones, yeah, but then. They were looking to, to, I mean, you know, they were looking to replace um, Sean Lee. Right. Right. And, um, you know, Van Der Esch, my, my thing was that he seemed like a, an ascending talent. He, he had a very good year at Boise State his last year, um, and he tested very well in the combine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the knock, it, it's not like – this came out of nowhere that the knock on him coming out was that he was not super physical. He wasn't great at taking on blockers. And, and I thought, you know, that didn't matter because he was productive ultimately in at Boise. And, and we saw that his rookie year, it's not like he was a beast at taking on blockers that year. Um, I, I think it was more him and Jalen Smith. I feel like they were just, more aggressive that year and even if they weren't you know getting to the right place they were at least disruptive and throwing teams off and then after that year maybe after that Rams game there's just a little more hesitancy and that combined with just being unwilling or unable to take on blocks is a recipe for disaster he reminds me of Bobby Carpenter um he's soft (laughs) I think he's better, a little better than Bobby Carpenter, but, no, but yeah, in, in that, that vein, yeah, yeah, I, I could he's agree weak. with that part. He's physically, he's physically weak. Yeah, 
Yeah, or, or I don't even know if weak, I, but not physical. Like I, I think it's well, just a, a mentality. He play with any power. Yeah, yeah. But no, then so so yeah, that was the first round pick. Then Connor Williams was the second round pick, which I I wanted us to take Michael. So Michael Gallup was my my guy in this draft through and through. I. I and I remember, I remember the context of this, of how I picked Michael Gallup. It was, I heard an, an early draft show. This is like February, probably around this time. And someone described him as like, he's not super athletic, but he's the kind of guy that when the ball's in the air, he just finds a way to come down with it. And this is like right after a game where it was the... Pittsburgh Steelers against the Jaguars and the Steelers lost the game but I was so struck by how Antonio Brown like he would be covered this is when they had Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye and both of them were like phenomenal that year that's one of the best duo cornerback seasons of that I can remember but they would just throw the ball up to Antonio Brown and he would find a way to get it at the catch point or like just a little bit of push off separation. And the way they were describing Michael Gallup, it reminded me exactly of that. And I, and I was like, okay, that's, that's my guy. And, and I didn't, you know, I saw him as a late first round pick or, or late first, early second. So when he was available at 50, I thought, that's a good value. We should go with him, even though I did have Connor Williams above him on my board. I, I had Connor Williams as like a late first round pick as well, because he had he had played very well at tackle his I think freshman year at Texas, and then he'd been injured. But I was kind of going off that freshman year, um, so I thought that was a good pick, even though I wanted Gallup there. And then obviously once. <laughs> 81 comes around and we still got Michael Gallup on the board I was like you gotta take him and that that was probably one of my probably my favorite Dallas Cowboys draft pick when we took Gallup at 81 uh, I'm not gonna lie that was pretty awesome um and and that's and I feel good that we we took him and and he's he's probably done even better than I expected that, that he would. I, I definitely thought based on him going to kind of a smaller school, um, he would, it would take him a little while to ramp up, but even by the end of his rookie year, he was, you know, he made a big touchdown in the playoffs. He played well in the second round and then obviously his second year and, and on he's, he's really taken off. Um, but then I, the next two picks I think are interesting because I've, for a while, you'd kind of throw them out as like, eh, not great. But Dorrance Armstrong, he actually really came on this year as, as a solid number three rusher. And then Dalton Schultz. Um, I, I remember not not being crazy about that pick, the, the Dalton Schultz pick, or Dorrance Armstrong, to be honest, because he didn't have very good numbers in college. I, I remember that. And beyond that, my guy... Uh, that I liked even more than Michael Gallup in this year's class was Maurice Hurst. He was a beastly productive defensive tackle from Michigan, and he fell all the way to the fifth round. 
and and I would have taken him over Armstrong or Schultz. But yeah, Dalton Schultz in the fourth round that that's ultimately come turned out to be a pretty amazing pick. <laughs> um, and like I said, it's it's taking a little while for him to ramp up, but uh, but but him and then in the sixth round we got Cedric Wilson who. I also really liked. I, I had him as probably late second, early third. So he was even, even though Gallup was kind of more of my guy, he was probably the better value. Um, and and again, another guy that took a little while, but um, but has has really come on later in his career. And okay, you know, and pretty much all of these guys. Well, literally, all of these guys are free agents. Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Storm Sarnstrong, Gallup, Connor Williams, and Vanderesh. Well, that was a big mistake that the owners made was ever agreeing to these ridiculously short rookie contracts. It's, it's, it's absurd. You know, you take a guy, you develop him, and by the time you develop him, he's ready to hit free agency. You know, well, and we um, could have picked up Vanderesh's option. For an extra year, but we chose yeah, not yeah, to. Yeah, the worst one of the class. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, you could have done that for Gallup or uh, Dalton Schultz. That would right. have been more. Those options ain't cheap either, though. Yeah, right. And, and I don't disagree yeah. with that by any means. But if there was an option to do that for everyone, right. I probably would have for Gallup and, and Schultz. Yeah. They, oh, they better keep Dalton Schultz. Mark my words, if they don't keep Dalton Schultz, that offense is in trouble. Yeah. yeah. All right. So but, are we going to pick up with this next week? Um, yeah. Yeah, we can okay. pick up on the the last three drafts. But, um, but yeah, that was a good one. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, be back next week for another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. Thanks all, uh, thanks all for tuning in. Until next time.